What's going on, guys? It's Travis here with the NPCs, and welcome to another weekly news roundup. It is September 4th, 2022. Thank you so much, of course, for joining us for this special Sunday edition. Tonight, we will be talking about Microsoft announcing a Game Pass friends and family service. This is going to be a, a great, great thing for them to add, and we're going to be talking especially more about this as it relates to us and, of course, my family as well, too. I'll tell you how that's going to tie in. Of course, we've also got a leak and then a full confirmation from Ubisoft about the next entry into the Assassin's Creed universe, Assassin's Creed Mirage. We'll talk about that, of course, too. And we've also got Valve confirming that there will be a Steam Deck, too. But how long is it going to be until Kyle panics because he just got the Steam Deck and how much more money he's going to have to put away for a second generation of the device? That and more on today's Weekly News Roundup. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup for the week of November 20th, 2020. It is Friday. It is, uh, where's my date? It's September 18th, 2020. Here's our first story, and this is actually breaking news for all of us right now here, too. Figured this is a, kind of a big one to cover, of course, with who it is. Joined via Discord by Kyle because we're in the midst of a pandemic still, and of course everything is all kinds of crazy. So this thing is a chocker. I mean... Yeah, it's a beast. It's huge. We're doing a... Um, that we had the Resident Evil stuff, that they were successful with Castlevania. Welcome to another NPC's weekly news roundup. And it's the news time. I am joined, of course, by Kyle via Discord. Kyle, hello. What's up, man? All right, we're here. We're live. Welcome, everybody, again. It is September 4th, 2022. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for this special Sunday edition of the NPC's weekly news roundup. Uh, of course, my name is Travis. Kyle is over there with me via Discord. Kyle, I've got to tell you, I really do need to get a brand new intro made that's definitely shorter and also doesn't have you with your very, like, wicked, I just woke up and rolled out of bed haircut because I'm bald. <laughs> I'm bald in that. And also your hair is just, like, everywhere. Like, you're, like, seriously, like, I had just, like, text you or something that says, hey, wake up, we got news to do. And you're just, you're finally right. up and about to do it. And I'm just, like, over by my... Uh pop screen like hiding behind <laughs> I, don't, I don't have enough hair here to do it so i can't i can't make it work i'm i'm balding slowly because of what my what my life and my family have done to me but as much as i love them yeah. to death most of this receding hairline is from them I, I was looking at some of those articles that were popping up like tw uh dr disrespect got got the twitch ban and i'm like man that was so long ago yeah you look at some of that stuff and it's like 2020 is a lot of the dates on those things and it's like oh god okay i guess i need yeah. to go back and i need to really remake i need to make something that's a little bit better than just rehashing the intros and stuff so i'll i'll do some thinking on that one maybe i'll hit up fiverr and see what somebody can do but yeah. anyway <laughs> anyway, nobody's here to hear about our woes and suffering of, of a lack of creative energy towards updating some things here. You're here to listen to the news, and so we are going to hop into it with the first story of the day here. And uh, I probably forgot to update this. Let me make this quick change here really quick. Yep, I forgot to add something here. Uh, I add that. Oh, move that there. See what happens when I make changes on things and I forget to go back to it. All right, there we go. Okay, back Breaking to normal. All right, so our first story up here on the list is that Microsoft has announced a Game Pass friends and family service. Uh, so a leak came out uh, over the this last weekend, and then it was officially announced by Microsoft that, yes, they are indeed making a friends and family version of Xbox Game Pass, which means that you will be able to add not only the family in your household to be able to use the same Game Pass account, but friends, if you so choose to share that with them for the low, low price of, at least as of this writing right now, €21.99 in Ireland and 49,900 COP in Colombia, which is currently where they are beta testing the subscription at this point in time. So based on the way that pricing normally goes for uh some of these things here, I mean, usually it's while well, it's in euros or, or, or pound or anything like that. Usually the price kind of translates the same way into the same, not necessarily like value per se, but the same numbers. So it's very possible we could be seeing this in the United States around about 23 to $24 a month. Um, it's going to be set up in a way where you can have uh, four fr uh, up to, f I think it's five members in the same plan. So that's yourself and four others. And that means that you'll be able to um, that means you'll be able to, of course, share that with them. Now, as I haven't really shared this a lot, though, too, but I find this to be the most frustrating thing. And I'm grateful to see this coming up, but also kind of eh, 
at the same time is that one of the problems I have is that being a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber and having my Xbox Series X set up means that I can install and download games through Game Pass, such as like Forza and Halo Infinite and a whole slew of other titles. The problem, though, is that even though I install those on my Xbox and my kids can sign into the Xbox and play games, too, they can't play any of the games that I've downloaded from Game Pass unless I sign into the Xbox first. Basically, it's some sort of authentication way to say, yes, the person who has downloaded these games and is allowed to download these games is basically opening it up for other people to access those, too. This will circumvent that, but it means that I have to pay an additional... Uh, what is that? Anywhere between eight to ten dollars more a month for them to be able to do that, but it also means that I don't have to go and pick the games that need to be downloaded. I don't have to be called upon to download those games, and of course, it also extends to them to be able to play Game Pass games on their computers uh, if they so choose to use the uh, PC Game Pass functionality or even the game streaming functionality on their phones. So, see, and that was what I was kind of curious about: is if it actually extended to uh, what all is encompassed under the Game Pass Ultimate subscription. So if everyone got access to the uh, game streaming service and everyone got access to Game Pass on, on PC as well. Yes, yes, that's been confirmed by Microsoft that they will be getting access to all of the same tiers as Game Pass Ultimate, but it will be open now, so you only have to have one account or at least one setup and then share it with those four other people to be able to take advantage of it. And that ends up being cheaper in the long run instead of paying $15 for one person, you know, 50 or $15 for, you know, the gamers here in the house, which would be three of us. That's 15, 30, $45 a month that I'd have to pay, which instead will end up now being 24 to potentially $25 a month. So it's for five people. Yes. That's such a weird number, but uh, I mean, at least it, I, it's not, you know, like three or four. I, I guess that, that that does actually extend it to maybe actually being friends and family for families that maybe only have uh, one child or, you know, they have two children, but one of them has a friend that also has an Xbox and, you know, their their parents are totally against Game Pass. Maybe kick them, you know, the uh, Game Pass or if you've got a, a friend that I could see how that that works out. Yeah, and I see for stuff like for stuff like this, like I would open this up as something where, like, if uh, like one of my kids has a friend who maybe can't afford to do Game Pass Ultimate, but they have an Xbox, um, you know, whether it is the Xbox One or going up all the way through the Xbox Series generation, then I could, as long as I have their gamer tag and information, I can then include them as well too. So that way, then not only can my kid get access to the titles within Game Pass and kind of expand the games they can access, their friend can now also take advantage of it too instead of just me paying for it and two other members of my household getting advantage or getting the ability to use it. I can open that up to one of their friends to help them out too and let them play games together the same way. Right, right. Yeah. Or give it to you and you just cancel yours and you just, you know, <laughs> stop buying me games every freaking time we start looking at stuff on steam no, and, and you decide to do that no. it's all good no I, I see a lot of benefit in in this whole concept um especially you know for for users that might have uh two and three accounts um for xbox live uh especially people that play competitively on overwatch and you know they might have a second or even third account uh because they're they're tiered out of what they play with other friends on um i i've known a few people actually that have two and three accounts uh specifically for like overwatch uh rainbow six uh anything that would have been played competitively basically yeah and that's like and that's gonna be something we're actually going to talk about i'm thinking competitive stuff here that's one of our other stories down the line that we'll talk about here too um, and that's one of those things that is going to open it up because there are a lot of those multiplayer titles that are available on Game Pass, whether they're your standard party games all the way up to your true competitive titles that are accessible. And by having that open to friends and family and, you know, potentially being able to not have to worry about split screen play, you can now divest it apart amongst your different devices and play together in that regard, you know, in your own comfortable yeah. setting instead of just all huddled around one screen. Account. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, 
As it stands right now, there is no timeline on what we're going to see this in the United States because this is in beta right now with those, with those two countries, with Ireland and Colombia. Uh, it's very possible that we may not see this until early next year, but with the holiday season coming up just around the corner, and I roll my eyes at that because I swear to God, it feels like we never get through everything else that goes on in the world and it feels like christmas is already just right there in your face crash into christmas yeah it literally yeah it's like a jackie chan movie where he keeps on like like gets thrown through a window and then down like 12 or 13 stories through like like bamboo supports or something like that whatever that's what it feels like going into the christmas season it's just always there and you know you're just gonna hit it season i see this being a black friday deal that's like, what I think, too. Oh, pick up the, the new friends and family pa- plan and, you know, invite your friend over and, you know, give them, you know, the the gift of giving, you know, Adam to your Xbox. That's exactly what I'm thinking, too, is that you're going to see, especially because Microsoft is so far ahead in their uh, production on consoles right now, that by having that bundled, it's going to be a very hot sell to go with consoles during the holiday season, bundle in a game and bundle in that, that friends and family thing. Then Mm -hmm. you might actually end up being better off. It's like, here's a game that you don't need game pass for, but now you can go ahead and get game pass friends and family cheaper for the short term and have that ability to play with other people relatively quick. So I I see that definitely as being the case is probably holiday season into early next year. Yeah. Yeah. So, while we wait, of course, on that news, we're going to move on into the next set of news, which ended up being a leak that fully confirmed is that we've got a new Assassin's Creed game on the way. Uh, so this was leaked out. Uh, I believe this was just a couple days ago is when there was a leak. And then Ubisoft came forward and said, yes, this is indeed going to be the next Assassin's Creed entry. But we've got more details for you on September 10th. Uh, so... A well-known Assassin's Creed leaker, this article comes to us from Video Games Chronicle, uh, Assassin's Creed leaker Jonathan, that's a with a zero in there instead of an O, game will feature one city, uh, which is Baghdad, uh, which will include four individual districts, each with its own boss. Um, the title, which is reportedly taking a back-to-basics approach for the series, will return the fe- uh, feature the return of throwing knives, hiding places on rooftops, and a dense amount of NPCs. So I think with this information here, is that uh, I think we, at least what we can glean from this information is that we are taking a step back in the Assassin's Creed playbook back to the days of Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 where they weren't as open and chaotic as uh, like these games have become as of late and that they're trying to return to their tried-and-true formula for uh, what they've done in these games in the past. Because, yeah. I, like... I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game in a long time. I think the last one I played was, let's see, it had to be maybe Assassin's Creed 3 or whatever the the secondary part of of Assassin's Creed 2 was. I can't remember. But I can say, at least based on reviews and other information that came out, is that it seems like it did go on for some time, though, to the point that it just got to be too chaotic of a game and then of course i know there's the joke about i think it was assassin's creed unity of course with all the different glitches and face problems that some uh some character textures in that had uh but what do you think about that though kyle what do you think about a return to the basic formula of assassin's creed in a title like this and especially going into um uh, the ancient city of baghdad you know uh during these time periods like what do you think so I, I've got a lot to say about it, actually. It makes me right. extremely happy. Um, for me, the the last Assassin's Creed that I actually fully completed would have been Black Flag. And prior to that, I did three 100% as well. Um, I, I think I got to the very end of two, and I ended up losing my copy. So um, never actually ended up completing two, but... They were all fantastic games, and I, I played a lot of, like, Brotherhood, and I didn't actually do the campaign on that one um, all that much, you know. It felt like I, it was a lot of, like, wandering around. Um, but I, it, as far as it goes, like, I played a little bit of Odyssey, and it, it really got away from everything. I experienced a lot of the, the same fatigue that, that people have been complaining about uh, through... Uh, origins and odyssey and now even uh the the newest one uh what is it valhalla Mm -hmm. um that it 
there's not enough in the world. It's a massive, massive world, and it's not densely populated enough. Not even with uh, stuff in the open world. I mean, granted, you look back at 3, and they, they attempted that a little bit with the forested regions, and they, they got that complaint immediately, is there wasn't enough to do, you know, there wasn't enough to hunt. There, you, there really wasn't much to do out there. And I think a return to, like, ancient, well, maybe not ancient bad Baghdad, but, you know, uh, a, a more prehistory uh, Baghdad or, you know, a, a earlier history Baghdad um, where it's a very densely populated city. At that time, it would have been one of the most uh, populated meccas in um, th that entire region. Um, so four, four districts is not out of the question. And I, I feel like we're going to be able to see more population, get more of a feel of being able to disappear into the crowd again as the assassin. Um, you know, some of those like quick stealth kills that you can just slip away and maybe some of those just more chaotic events that you can create in the street where people are just running away and, you know, guards are trying to swarm to you and, you know, then you, you have to slip away by climbing up a building and run around, you know, the rooftops to jump into a bale of hay, you know, oh, yeah. 10 blocks away. Um, but, you know, that that's what a lot of people miss, I feel like, about the Assassin's Creed games. And that, I know that's what I miss, you know. I, I don't need the complicated systems with all the, the complicated, you know, gear and, you know, all the extra crap and fluff that they've been putting into the games here recently. They had really solid games for the first, you know, four games. Let, let's go back to that. Yeah, I, it seems like by going back to the basics, they might be able to regain some of that player, that player base that had kind of trailed off because of those exact issues that you brought up. And the idea of the increase in population density coming back, I'm sure has made a lot of people happy, but of course has brought back some of those concerns of what occurred with Assassin's Creed Unity at that point in time. But I think a lot of it, though, has proven to be a pretty easy thing to tackle nowadays, given that we've got more processing power and more hardware under the hood, not only in the console space, but also in the PC space that allows for that population density to actually exist without hopefully too many issues or too many problems you know outside of what we've seen maybe with like cyberpunk 2077 for example right i, I think the possibility is there also, yeah unity was also pushed out though at the beginning of the console generation for the xbox one alongside True. i believe it was rogue and rogue was an you know exceptional game i think that was actually supposed to be you know kind of a, a sequel in per se to to four right um but then they rushed out uh unity because of the new consoles and at that point they were also kind of cranking out assassin's creed you know games every year every other yearish i think for them to step away and go hey we're gonna focus on a really tight title and it's gonna go back to basics and you know it's gonna take us a little while that's a smart move yeah, it, that by far is a smart move. And what I would actually wonder from you, Kyle, is because it seems like with the way the Assassin's Creed story got, not necessarily where you're in these historical periods, but the the external events, the the ones that took place in the in the real world versus the 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 virtual virtual old world. It seems like the story got itself really convoluted and kind of got itself into oh, very it totally interesting. Yeah, it feels like it got itself into very interesting fields. Do you think it's possible that they could nix some of that part of it to focus more on the core gameplay part of it instead of trying to do this this bridging between, like let you just play a game that's called Assassin's Creed and just play in the time period instead of doing this jumping back and forth using the memories of a assassin from that point in time through like a vessel that would be whoever this player character is in the real world just give you the just give you the assassin's creed experience in that time period you know just let you live out that time there or do you think they're still going to be doing both sides of it you know eh, i i feel like i had heard that they they tried to move away from it in the more recent one but i i don't know because i haven't played valhalla um i know i don't feel like there was much of it in the 
um, Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, except, you know, there there would be times, like, if you wandered too far away or the uh, rips uh, in the world that you could go visit uh, right. missions other people created. That was uh, definitely a little jank and uh, spoke back to the old format of, you know, you're you're inside of a game or you're inside of a simulation. Maybe they could move away from it. Maybe that would take a total restructure of the uh, uh, of the 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 actual franchise, I guess. But maybe this is what it is, or that's that's what this is. You know, maybe they're just gonna restructure the franchise, and now you are living the Assassin's Creed, and you you're just gonna play out you know that person's particular story. You don't have to be part of the game anymore because you or not necessarily part of the game you don't have to be playing a character that's part of a game now you can just be part of the game yeah that i that's kind of what i hope might end up being the case because as as good as the story got it still did get really convoluted and branched off so much that it just it felt like at least based on what i've read and what i've seen in reviews is that it just felt like it got too chaotic that the amount of lore that went into what actually built up the story would just take too long to absorb, especially if you're fresh faced to the series and didn't have the ability to grab original copies of the other games to really get yourself built up and and brought up to speed because there's so many Assassin's Creed games anyway, since the first one came out that that's going to take you a while to get up to that point. But, and you know, if they wanted to do something a little gimmicky and just get away with making it just the Assassin's Creed game and not happen to be, a person that's you know living the experience of the game um maybe they could just throw in an abstergo logo at the beginning of the game and it's like oh i get it now i'm the person that's in the game that's playing the the game so so i just remove that person and i'm i'm the person now just wait to see what it ties into their whole crypto thing and their blockchain thing just wait oh, to God, see what happens there too that. oh man now you now you've ruined it i'm sorry <laughs> i just had to make a reminder on that one but anyway Details on this game are going to be coming out on September 10th. It's going to be a part of a showcase that Ubisoft's doing, talking about not only this, but plenty of other titles in their world and under their control. So be on the lookout for more information there on September 10th. And of course, when they reveal that information, we'll be circling back around with the Weekly News Roundup then to talk more about it. In the meantime, we're going to move on to some rather disappointing noise, uh, like bleh, noise, disappointing news. I, I made a lot of noise about this because I was frustrated. Um, well, it is some noise. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And that is Halo Infinite. So Halo Infinite season three was scheduled to be coming out in November of this year. So we were only several months away from that being finished up. And both Kyle and I have effectively finished the battle pass for season two. I several months ago, Kyle just. No, it's I getting still, close. I still haven't. Yeah, I'm, You're I'm, close. I'm like You're... one level away, but I also haven't been using boosts. There's no need. That's for true. For such a long season. That's but true. That's about to change. Well, now it's going to get longer. It's going to get longer. <laughs> yes. So in an update on the 1st of September. So today's the 4th. So that would have been Thursday. Uh, 343 announced that they are going to be pushing out season two to conclude in March of next year instead of November, meaning that season two is going to be getting an additional five months, five months until season three officially drops. However, it doesn't mean that we are without content. And this is where we end up getting into more of the frustrating situation. First and foremost is that somewhere between November 8th and March 7th, we are going to be getting what's known as, or at least starting November 8th, we're going to be getting what's known as the winter update. That's going to be delivering, and they've put this as their core focus, the Forge beta. Not a Forge full release, but a beta release. And given the amount of content that we've actually seen out of Forge so far, and Kyle, I think you and I have watched quite a few of these guys' streams, and I've shared some mm-hmm. stuff with you with some of the things that this uh, that these other people have put out, but Forge looks like it's pretty much ready to go. It looks like it's right there at that point, and it's making me very excited to see what we could get out of it, especially with maps that are created by users. Um, so that is the core focus for 343 at this point in time is getting Forge done and out there for people to start playing with officially. Uh, we also have the campaign network co-op and mission replay that's also targeted now for then. We were hoping that was going to be dropped sometime to, uh, this month. However, it looks like that's not the case and they need some more time to refine it. 
Um, we also will be getting a 30-tier battle pass that comes out in November, too, and this will be a free battle pass, one that you won't have to pay 1,000 credits for. There will be two new maps, Detachment and Argyle. Uh, both of these maps have been talked about as both being made in Forge directly. Instead of being made with their modeling tools, these were both made in Forge, which uh, does offer a very great sign of the usability of it. I guess we're going to see how bad we glitch through some of the maps in some cases, but that's actually still good news. Um, there's going to be updates with a new beta that includes uh, generating match XP. So as you play a match, you'll earn XP. I believe it's going to be based on your performance instead of completing challenges. Uh, there's going to be a new game mode called Covert One Flag. We've got a new December event, uh, which is going to be called Winter Contingency 2. So we had Winter Contingency last Christmas. We're going to be having that come up again, too. A uh, new January event called Joint Fire. I'll get into some details and what all of those different things carry. And then, of course, your standard quality of life improvements. In March is when we'll get Season 3, which has been titled Echoes Within. Two new maps, no names at this point in time, but they are Arena and Big Team Battle Maps. We are going to be getting the DMR finally under the name the M392 Bandit. Uh, new equipment, which is called the Shroud Screen, which is going to be similar to the deployable bubble that you got in Halo 3, the Bubble Shield. Uh, new Battle Pass. And then, of course, uh, several other things, too. New Narrative Event, Forge Beta Updates, Quality of Life Improvements, a new Fracture Event, uh, similar to like Tenrai and the, uh, the more recent one. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, new modes called VIP and Escalation. In-game reporting, which means that you'll be able to go ahead and call out people who are cheating and hacking, all that stuff, right there within the game itself as you're playing. And then custom game browser, which means that as people generate custom games, you will be able to go and search for those titles. There's but, so much wrong with what you're saying right now. Why? Well, for starters, the timeline. Two years ago... The Xbox launched, and Halo was supposed to be a launch title. Yeah. That's my first complaint right there. <laughs> I mean... Not, I, no, you can't say I'm wrong when I'm reading this from, from 343's updates. You can't say I'm wrong when... I, I, well, I, you're not wrong, but... Uh, no, I'm just saying so much sounds wrong with it, you know? That's a better it, way to it, say it. I'm not wrong. I, yeah, everything sorry. else you're, sounds you're, wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, everything about Jeez, this sounds wrong. She's calling me out for nothing here. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I apologize. I apologize. I, I, I misspoke. It's but, right. I mean, I, you know, for, for starters, Forge, if there's two maps that are coming out that were built in Forge, and we're seeing videos all the time of people in Forge building maps... Why the hell have they not opened up a larger beta for Forge? Or, I don't know, just let people have it to break it so they can fix it then? Because the more data they have that they're collecting, granted, that that's more to sift through, but the more data that they're actually getting from people playing Forge and fiddling around with it and breaking it, that's how they're going to be able to fix it. And I, I think that's one of the, the biggest things right there. I mean... It, just like oh man and and some of the things that you were saying are are coming out it's like well it's like that these were in other halo multiplayers why didn't they just throw it in at the beginning that's so dumb that we had to wait well so a lot of that key stuff is is this is these are things that are talked about okay so your frustration is the exact same that i'm feeling too is that yes infinite was supposed to be a launch title for the xbox it's on the back of the series x box mm -hmm. like it's actually on the back of it so when i got my series x on launch back in uh what was that november october november of 2020 it was right then and there and yes it got delayed and got pushed out okay yes i'm fully there with you and i understand okay it came out and we were missing a whole ton of other features that we were used to you know in these things however a lot of this stuff has changed to a live service type scenario where it's a lot of different things that they have to adapt to versus the way that things were developed compared to say like master chief collection where master chief collection is built on existing tool sets based on halo one two three reach four and odst that they can easily adapt to because bungie handed all that stuff over to them outside of four of course which they built themselves and so it's easy for them to continue to deliver new content in that because the tool sets and the design stuff already exist there and it's easy to create it. 
This stuff they is all built from the ground up. other multiplayer games. There. That's fair. No, that's also fair. And so, yeah, you would figure that they would the have learned. Seasons are ridiculous. I I agree. Like, and they like. I'm not trying to defend them in any of this. I'm still a fan of Halo, and I'm still going to be. Oh yeah. But even if I'm a fan of Halo, I'm still going to call out their their stuff though too. Is that the the biggest argument that comes out right now is that is that it is a new tool set that they're working with and they're still coming across things as they continue to build into this and that's where it's like I sympathize with the developers here is that it's like they want to deliver on stuff but obviously trying to adapt to the live service model that all of these other titles have come out with is just not working because of the number of delays that we've had those core components are gone or did not launch and we're still waiting on like the one thing that came out of this, though, too, that I haven't even mentioned yet, but I'm going to mention now, is that local co-op is now no longer being actively developed for Halo Infinite. That means that you cannot play local split screen with anybody on the same console in Halo Infinite at this point in time, or at least there's no longer work on it. However, there are people who still know how to glitch the the UI to be able to play local co-op with other people uh, so the functionality is still there, but there must be something else that they're discovering that just isn't working out right. So that's why they're actively putting the kibosh on it and moving the resources over to work on other things here. Regardless of all of that, Kyle, regardless of everything that we're seeing here, I would much rather have, I would much rather have delays on a game to make sure that they deliver on what they can with it than empty promises. And this is true. I'm I'm unfortunately kind of in this weird mix where I, I'm 50-50 on everything right now is that I feel like as a Halo fan and a, a, I would say a rather dedicated Halo player that I'm disappointed that there have been so many delays. I'm disappointed that there has been so much time dedicated to just waiting on things or replaying or rehashing the same things. Um, you know, and so I'm disappointed in that regard. See, on the other part of it, I'm I'm also optimistic about the idea of what is to come and the fact that this Forge beta or Forge Alpha, I guess if you want to call it, has been out there and we've seen what people can create means that some of these custom games that are going to come out and these custom maps are going to be awesome, are going to be the mm-hmm. things that we would really have hoped 343 could have put emphasis on and given us a massive library of maps to play with from launch. Or that as people continue to create these things, that maybe 343 sees these things and is like, you know what? We're going to grab that guy's files for what he created. Or that girl, that person, you know, remove gender out of it. That person's files, we're going to pull them and we're going to bring them in and we're going to give them credit on it. But we're going to make that into an official map and we're going to drop that now. And say it's like, this was made in Forge by this person. and, And boom, this is done. It's there and it's something that can be played with. Even if it's in some weird state because no map is perfect. Look at Warzone, for example. It still at least continues getting the content out there and gets people playing things. But, you know, I that's why I'm 50-50 on all this. I would much rather they take their time and deliver on content that isn't broken, but I feel like we've been held back so much on waiting for stuff that it's like, how much longer do we wait? Right. Yeah, and it, I mean... When you were saying the whole, like, they're doing the Christmas event again. I mean, that that there, it, it it says, we you know, we've had the multiplayer for a while. Why are we still in, you know, the, the same season? Why, why couldn't they just push another season out and, you know, try and adapt the multiplayer a little bit as we go, you know? I mean, they could make a change, you know, make it a shorter season. And say, oh, you know, we're going to just do a short season. And then, you know, we've got these changes that we're going to, you know, do during that season. And, you know, maybe uh, if you participated and managed to get to the end of that season, it's a little bit extra special, you know, just because it's going to be a short season. Um, But, you know, they could do other things. Yeah, and there, there is a lot. That's one of those things I agree with is that their goal is to do three seasons a year. So you're talking about three, four month long seasons, which I would say is probably plenty of time, you know, for, for, for being able to complete a season if you're dedicated enough, but then add in those additional updates as you go through the season, whether it is quality of life improvements, whether it is, Hey, boom, here's a new map. Here is, um, 
you know, here's a tweak to one of these things. You know, we're going to beta match XP as we, you know, as we hit the halfway point of the season here, you know. Why not go ahead and do some of that? So that's one of those things I agree with. But I don't know if by doing small updates like that would be enough to keep things going. And I think a lot of it, though, too, especially, and it's, it's not to necessarily sound like I'm being selfish in any of this, but I think part of it is... I think part of it comes down to the ideas that these live service games have put into everybody's minds that it's like when you get an update, you're getting all of this stuff at one time. You're getting all of this content at one time. Here is everything you're getting, and it's going to last for this long until we come out with the next thing. So everybody's expectations of what they're expecting to see are so high that for a company that's not done anything like that before, at least with like a brand new game, it's i guess there is some understanding with it but it's like maybe going the season route and the live service route was not the best idea see and i think that that was my last problem i had with it if it's a new new tool set why are they jumping into something that they've never tried before with a live service game that doesn't make any sense at all that that's like you know they're they're taking something they're completely unfamiliar with and they're gonna go oh, we're going to try and do the most extreme thing you can with it automatically out the gate. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one of those key things that, like, I, I feel like I understand why they did it, and it's just because of the way the industry is going. But by alienating your core player base, by introducing something that you've never done before and constantly having to push back the timetable to having to constantly push back the release schedule because of these other things that keep coming up. And and obviously, we don't have all the information as to why these things keep getting pushed out. You know, they provide some from some very high-level details on things, but don't actually get into the nitty-gritty with it. Um, and they no- probably normally won't just because of being a uh, part of a publicly traded company. Uh, we never are going to truly see exactly why things keep getting pushed out the way they are. Otherwise... You know, maybe they have found something detrimental to the environment that if they push it out too fast, it's going to break everything. I don't really see that being the case, but it could very well be at least a part of it. And without some of that clarity as to what's going on, it's just going to continue to be chaos after chaos after chaos of just delayed content. And it's not going to make people want to play like I really want to play the campaign with you, Kyle. I want to be able to play that with you because I enjoyed the campaign. It was a lot of jumping around to different places, but the story is awesome. The 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 fallout of what's potentially to come with, with Halo Infinite's storyline and whatever could come after, there's a lot to say about it that I really want to be able to go and do in co-op with you, but we can't yet still. Right. However, we can go hop in and go finish Halo 2. Um, we can go finish the Halo 2 Anniversary Edition and get that one done relatively quick. Same for Halo 3. We can go do the same for Halo 4. Halo 5, if that comes out on PC, we could do that too. We can't do it for this right now, though. And that's where it's like, how much more holding back is there going to be from 343? I think there's, like, like, we're not necessarily owed anything. But I would just like to know more details as to what actually is contributing to these delays more than just high-level stuff. Like, what is it that's happening? You know? I mean, if COVID... If COVID's really eaten into you guys, bottom line, then okay, that's you can't fight any of that. But yeah, what else? That's also where I think that you know, involve your community, get them involved, have them test more maps. You know, make the make your your betas uh, more open to a larger audience. You know, yeah, there there's certain things that they could do. They could open up Forge mode. And let people, like I said, break it. Give it to the fans. There's a lot of fans out there that would provide really, really good feedback that have worked, you know, tons and tons with Forge from previous Halos that they could probably give three, four, three pointers at this point, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of those things. Like, if you look at some of these other games, like a good example, I I would say, is like CSGO, is there's like community creators out there who have made maps that have ended up becoming like, part of like the casual rotations in that where you don't have to go find a server with a custom map it's just right there in their official maps just because of the work they did yeah um i think even anubis was a um was a map in csgo that was created by a fan 
it, there are options and there are things out there that I don't think 343 is embracing, but maybe it's just tough for them to be able to do so. I would really like some more details as to what's going on and and kind of like what's happening under the hood that's like preventing some of this stuff from coming out. Um, I can wait longer, you know, as a fan, I can wait longer. I love Halo. I love playing the multiplayer. I, I wish there was more. But at this point in time, mm-hmm. it's like I'm willing to wait still. But it's like, man, provide some extra details, though. Yeah, I'd like to really go back to your game. But if there's no content to go back to, then I have no reason, at least not yet. Yeah, at least not yet. <laughs> at least not yet. But I think we've been on the Halo train here long enough. So let's carry on here, Kyle, to some other Xbox news right now. And that is uh, so. Phil Spencer has come out and said that Microsoft will put games from Activision Blizzard onto Game Pass. Uh, so uh, right now, the the Activision Blizzard Microsoft merger is, of course, under all kinds of different scrutiny. Um, I think the only place that's approved it so far has been Saudi Arabia. Uh, but of course, it's under a lot of additional review from the EU, from the UK, and from the US FTC regarding just what this ex- what this merger is going to do to the industry at large, and now we're going to see anti-competitive practices, or we building a monopoly here, which Microsoft has been in trouble with before. Um, but you know, there or has maybe they really want everyone that has Game Pass to play World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> There's also that too. There's very likely I mean, that in, case. In in the little splash uh, panel thing, I mean, granted, it had Candy Crush in it. But it, they did have World of Warcraft in there. So I wonder, if they're putting World of Warcraft in there, do I get, like, a free character? Then I might actually try it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know exactly what they're going to try there with that, but who knows. Um, so what they've come ahead and uh, come out and said is that, uh, so Phil Spencer said, uh, we intend to make Activision Blizzard's much-loved library of games, including Overwatch, Diablo, and Call of Duty, available on Game Pass and to grow those gaming communities. Um, one of those things, though, that actually helped with that is that, uh, so besides those things coming to Game Pass, a lot of the concern has been about the games, especially Call of Duty and the exclusivity stuff that goes on between Call of Duty and uh, PlayStation is going to continue on in some type of capacity. Well, while we don't know exactly if the exclusivity stuff is going to occur, what we do know is that uh, Phil Spencer actually did have a call with, um, I believe... Uh, PlayStation, I believe, with the CEO of PlayStation. I, I cannot remember the guy's name for some reason now. But he actually had a call with them to confirm and, and promise that uh, PlayStation will still continue to receive Call of Duty day one, will still receive it past the contracted date. Um, like, I guess there's some sort of other time period there. So that means there will still most likely be exclusives that are there for PlayStation for that continued contractual period but that there will still be releases at least going past the contractual date anyway, which means that we're not going to see Call of Duty disappear from PlayStation anytime soon, which is a good sign, of course, for trying to fight that anti-competitive practice. Now, I don't know if that's going to mean anything for those exclusives that PlayStation players are used to with the Call of Duty games, but it, it might after that contractual period, but it means at least, though, that Call of Duty will still be on PlayStation consoles going forward it doesn't mean it's going away which is still a good sign at least for the for the video game environment as a whole it just Um, means that if you're an xbox you get to play it free yeah and it's one of those things that like microsoft here like this article from polygon that we're using as reference here is that they made a mention of this is that to help support the claim microsoft mentions uh mentions its purchase of developer mojang back in 2014 and the fact that minecraft remains available on numerous platforms and devices which is right For eight years since that purchase, Minecraft has been available and is continuously being updated on everything that it's been released on so far. You know, granted, there have been titles that have been retired, like the Xbox 360 version is gone. Um, The Xbox One version is mostly out the door. But all of the other releases, including Java, have still been getting updated, have still been getting fresh content, have still been getting releases. There's been a lot of changes on the Bedrock side compared to, like, the Java side because Bedrock, of course, is more the foundational cross-platform version. But even so, it's still something that's being supported after all these years, eight years, that it's out there and still carrying on. I think the only major change to the overall back end of it 
is that they've now incorporated Mojang accounts into Microsoft accounts so that way you sign in with one and you can access your Java instance or your Bedrock instance just from the one Minecraft launcher instead of relying on the old Mojang launcher that we're all used to with Java edition. So with that part said, you know, that is definitely a, a true thing. And Minecraft is one of the biggest games out there still. It's massive still. So to like to at least use that as a good point of like of of pushback to say it's like you know we're not shying away from anybody else it's like this is a way we're going to support that so i still see microsoft holding up their end of the deal and making sure that not only is it that just call of duty is still available to playstation but every other title that they can put out is going to be out there yeah i mean I don't know. I I this is one that I I see Microsoft having to to make good on uh just continuously like with the Probably. Minecraft. Um there there's no way that that it's going to be avoidable, especially if you look at it from yeah, the whole antitrust side and you know, being under investigation. It's the only way that they're going to get outside of it is, you know, still providing for the other consoles. Now to the financial gain side, I, I don't know how that works, but, um, I don't, I don't know. Um, it, it seems like they would still have to charge Microsoft users in some form or another. Otherwise it would be like maybe unfair treatment. Uh, but maybe it's just the fact that if you don't have game pass, you do have to buy it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's just like it is with everything else anyway. It's like for, like we were just talking about Halo Infinite is that for you and I, we have Halo Infinite through Game Pass mm -hmm. and it's still available for us to go purchase if we want to out on the regular market. You know, that's not a problem if we want to go pay $60 for it. We have it through Game Pass. That is still going to be the option going forward. It's going still to have to use a Microsoft account to, to access the multiplayer. True. But if I don't want to pay for it on my PC, I can do it that way. Well, it's just like the same thing, like with EA, for example. So let's just let like uh, we can use this as a good example with this one is that um, we have Titanfall 2 on Steam now. However, when we go to launch Titanfall 2 on Steam, it launches Origin or EA, uh, the new EA desktop app. It's one of the two. It launches that and still uses that as a gateway to be able to access and play the game. And so like when I go to send you an invite into a party. Uh, it launches the origin overlay for me to actually go and select your name and be able to bring you in, like to send you that invite. Right. It doesn't use Steam to do so, but Steam was the vessel to be able to get the game. And EA's origin, EA Play app, are the gateway into the overall environment to actually play it. So that's EA where it's a total mess with their launchers, though. So oh, I don't oh, even oh. want to get no. into that. <laughs> uh, 100%. 100% is that that's, that's the case then that's yeah. been the case for for some time anyway it reminds me back of like the days of like the original steam but oh, even yeah. with the even with that part said though is that is that you might be required to do these sign in things you might be required to do these little things to make it work but with the way that it's kind of become ubiquitous in the sense of how you sign into apps how you actually link those apps together i don't see that necessarily being an issue for players to be able to get things moving in that fashion so as to, you know, get in and play the games that they want to play with other people. I don't right. see that being a true holdup, but who knows what that could mean for the future. But we're talking potentially about six to seven years down the line to see the potential impacts of this, not, not what's going to happen I, in the next year. Yeah, I think it's funny that they mention Overwatch at that point because Overwatch 2 is going to be free to play anyway i think so, they probably just mean the overwatch like line itself like not necessarily just saying right. overwatch one but talking like overwatch the, the overwatch family and Listen, the same for the diablo yeah it, it almost makes it sound like oh well you know you put up splash screens like that with you know world of warcraft and overwatch it's like well overwatch 2 is going to be free am i going to get like a discounted battle pass if i'm xbox game pass am i going to get to play one free character on world of warcraft are they just going to give me a free account? Am I going to get discounts if I if I want to, you know, do a three month pass for World of Warcraft? How does that work at that point? 
Yeah, and we won't know exactly how that's going to work until we actually see if the acquisition goes through, which, again, they're hoping, hoping to close by early next year. So we've yeah. got a few more months just to wait and see. Yeah, Blizzard just has a lot of pre-set up stuff that it, it kind of makes me wonder how it's going to all kind of, I, I guess, become a conglomerate to, you know, to function all together. So, yeah, you know, Ex exactly. It'll be a wait and see. Yeah, if it, even the deal goes through, which I kind of hope it does at this point, honestly. Yeah, same here. I, I kind of thinking that that's going to be the best thing right now is that I think for just the longevity of this stuff, especially with all the chaos that Activision Blizzard has gone through in the last couple summers, that they need they need that stability. The devs need that stability more than anything. And I think Microsoft's handle on things is going to be able to help drive a lot of that forward as long as they can kick Bobby Kotick to the curb. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but let's move on here. And uh, Kyle, I'm going to need you to go grab your Steam Deck for this one here because we got to talk about the Steam Deck right now. So oh, go, ahead, go ahead and grab you your mean Steam. this guy right here? Yeah, now do me a favor. Now do me a favor. No, 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 no. I want you to do this for me. Take it out of its case, and then I want you to uh -huh. throw it as hard as you can against the wall. Oh, God, no. The only reason is because <laughs> Valve has said there will be a Steam Deck 2 in the future. And as you toss it onto your bed. Now it's shattered yeah, into no. a thousand pieces. You're going to go, and you're going to see everything just somehow exploded. Um, no, I really hope not. Anyway, uh, so yes, uh, Valve published a booklet um on the uh to be able to bring up on the steam deck that talks about what the future is for um or, or like what went into the design of the steam deck and what the future is going to be like for the steam deck as well too because they're talking about the steam deck being a multi-generational product line which means as it gets in everybody's head that we're going to see more of the steam deck going forward not just hardware revisions as they go into the existing Steam Deck as it is now, but Steam Deck 2, 3, and, and how many ever there are going to be. Because as of right now, this, outside of the Vive and the Index, has been one of their more successful products that they've made. You know, ripped Steam machines. It, but Yeah, Jesus, has this article escalated quickly. I tell you what, the book has gone from, oh, we're going to do some upgrades, and, you know, we, we really would like to continue this line, and to, we're... We're doing a Steam Deck, too, for God's sakes. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. And so that's one of the things is that it's like they want to work towards making a second Steam Deck, which in, in, any, in anything that's been a success, especially when it comes into hardware, obviously you want to make a new iteration of it. You want to make something that is going to be like continuing on what you've built as a foundation with that first generation product. And so that's something that we would expect to see going forward, you know, whether it is a better screen, whether it is um, a new system on a chip that ends up being life. powerful, which longer <laughs> battery life. Maybe they'll find a way to make it actually like thinner and lighter than it is right now, even though with how chunky it is, it actually is a very comfortable thing to hold on to. But oh, yeah. The idea, though, of the other things they can incorporate into it. And a couple of things that have come up in discussions is talking about things like being able to stream from the Steam Deck. And then, of course, one of the things that you and I have talked about, Kyle, has been VR right off of the Steam Deck because um, the capability would be there and to be able to have Steam VR on a, a machine like that as long as you could plug the thing in for power it seems like it's not necessarily the most far-fetched thing out there. It doesn't seem like it's the most out-there thing that could be taken care of, you know, to at least take that way yeah. to go. Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I think the uh the whole steam deck too is a lot of uh a lot of news uh outlets just escalating that that one pamphlet that one article uh that they put out that valve put out and escalating it to the point of just saying yeah no steam's gonna do a steam deck too to you know steam saying yeah we're we're probably gonna do a steam deck too but it'll be down the line um i mean there, there are improvements to be made. There's a lot of good to be had with the system as is right now, however. Um, and I, I don't know. I just... The, the one thing that scares me, though, is I've heard a lot of rumor that if they do something or a console revision uh, real closer, you know, closer to more immediate, um, it would be more of a streaming machine. And I don't think the the Internet's quite ready for that. I mean... We've seen Stadia and we've seen, uh, you know, xCloud and Stadia works okay uh, most of the time and xCloud works eh. 
<laughs> so, I mean, are we really ready for more streaming machines? I mean, Valve did do a really good job with the handheld computer, but let's not uh, dive in too far yet. No, and, like, that's one of those things that we had talked about, like, I think yesterday or the other day, was about the Steam Deck and streaming, and that there is a streaming capability built into uh, Steam that would actually have you do your broadcasting mm -hmm. through Steam, but I don't know what the user, like the user base is for using something like that. Uh, I think I see most streams in Steam usually for uh, like developers to showcase their game that came out like brand new or something. Right. You know, I usually see that. I don't usually see anything else that stands out as being a, uh, you know, uh, that stands out as being like a, this true crazy like use case for using Steam's streaming function versus using something like Twitch or YouTube or Facebook or any of the other platforms that are out there. Um, yeah, and I, yeah. They, they do have the, the function right now. I mean, I, I'm fairly certain if I wanted to, to stream from my computer on the same network um, to my deck, I could do that. But, I mean, to stream just from the Internet, you know, a full, you know, game, it doesn't quite have the battery life for that. And I feel like what we were talking about, I know this is kind of jumping a, uh, the gun a little bit, um, but with the VR, if they could improve the, the battery on the console right now and give it more functionality with, you know, being the base station of, you know, the games running there and then all the experience has to be on the headset, but the processing is done on the system, holy cow, you could get some really cool VR games in comparison to, like, the Oculus. I would think so, too. So... Before we move on here to the quest markers part, because this is our last main story, is with you having had your Steam Deck now for several weeks and have been able to play different titles on it, um, mm -hmm. what would you like to see? Like, let's say three things that you would like to see in the Steam Deck 2. What would you like to see? Um, I would say... I, 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 I would say changes to the UI, but I know some of that's coming already. So I, I don't want to dive into that. Uh, but I definitely better battery life. Um, I, I would like to see the, the Halleron switches um, for the analog sticks rather than the potentiometers. Um, there, there's a company that actually makes them for this or makes replacements that are compatible with the Steam Deck. And they would just never wear out because they're magnetic instead of potentiometer. Um, so there, there's improvement to be made there, and they're they're cheap. Um, not not as cheap as a potentiometer, but they're still pretty cheap. Um, I I would like to see better uh, user or more friendly user upgradeability. Um, let let us upgrade RAM or the M.2 or put an additional M.2 in it. Um, I know that's a lot of processing and maybe a lot of heat to dissipate, uh, but I think that would be really cool to be able to to swap that out in addition to the SSD or the um, SD card. Um, yeah, I don't know. Other than that, that I, there, I they'll definitely uh, I I assume you know upgrade the uh, processor. That that's gonna happen regardless. You know, with the a next generation console, so you can't really say. You know, let's let's get better graphics. Let's you know, <laughs> let's get more processing out of it because that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. But I, I think the the major takeaway from it would be better battery life and maybe to swap out the switches on the uh, analog sticks. I like yeah. all of that. I like all of that. <laughs> so I'm going to add two things. I'm going to add two things in my short time messing around with the Steam Deck. One is that Steam Deck two. And you might find this a little crazy, but I think Steam Deck 2 needs a second USB Type-C connector on the bottom of the Steam Deck. Okay. Not on the top, but on the bottom. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll give you that. That's and now, a definite. Yes, no. and the only reason yeah. I say a second one is because I know that, like, Lenovo and uh, Asus have brought out their, like, gaming phones that have two USB Type-C connectors on them. One, like, I know it's mostly for, like, their, their controllers and for, like, sometimes those weird coolers that you can strap to the back. But... I've seen enough reviews where the utility has actually been shown to be very valuable. I see that as being valuable in the sense of the Steam Deck, especially for docking something where you can actually have the USB Type-C connector built into a dock instead of relying on that cable to plug into the top or 
you know, with charging or something like that, though, too, that, you know, you can hold it in your hands and have the uh, charging cable, you know, below instead of up at the top and then around unless you have a right angle uh, USB type C uh, connector there at the top. Okay. Right. That's the first thing. The second thing is that any parts that they come out with for the Steam Deck 2, more specifically the actual main board with the system on a chip with it, with the Ryzen processor, whatever upgraded Ryzen processor they go to, and the RAM in that, can be put into the original generation Steam Deck. Because otherwise, with all of this focus on user repairability um, and the amount of changes that could be made to the Steam Deck anyway, given, like you said, different switches, you know, you can pull everything out of there and put everything back in, and, of course, the, the slew of stuff available on iFixit, it seems like it's more important than ever to really stand by your original purchasers of the Steam Deck and provide them a path to upgradability without making them buy a whole new device. Let them buy the main board and slot it in. Even if the main board is a little different in size, like maybe if it's smaller and needs something different, like make a spacer set or something so that way it like clips into the right spot and then it can mount into those existing points that are already in the Steam Deck. That way, that way you, Kyle, as a Steam Deck owner, don't have to go spend another $600 to get the second generation. You could literally just slap in the main board, maybe send yours back for a credit for like recycling or something like that and play the newer games or play games again with those updated uh, specs. Maybe you get that extra battery life by them using a processor that works, that is more powerful, but sips at battery compared to what this one's doing now, or that it reads your M2 faster um, or doesn't require as much cooling as what you have in there, meaning that your um, existing fan set, like just everything runs quieter, you know, or at least even a little bit quieter. You gain a benefit by doing that swap and the world gains a benefit by less waste out there. Agreed. So those are, so those are my two things. Those are my two things to add on to your three. Cool. Yeah, I, I'm totally down (laughs) for those. Yeah, no, I just add those on and keep that permanent. Yes. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, well, we're going to wrap this up then, of course. It's just like I said, that was the it, that was it for the main stories for this week. And we're going to move on to quest markers with Kyle. Kyle, it is time for you to take it away and tell us about these other stories from this week. So, for our first quest marker of the week, Sony is seeming to launch a new lighter PS5. Uh, of course, the launch occurred first again in Australia. Uh, but the launch is actually uh, the new model listed as a CFI-1202A and B, uh, depending on uh, disc or discless version, uh, is a whopping, I think it was 13 grams lighter. Woohoo. If I'm not mistaken. 13 grams. Probably changed something with um, the cooling. Yeah, I, there's a lot of uh, speculation that, that they could have shaved off, you know, uh, or 13% lighter, excuse me. So a lot, lot different. Could be a lot different than 13 could be. grams. Yes. <laughs> but. Yeah, 13% lighter. There's uh, speculation that they could have shaved off nanometers on the processor. Uh, chances are what they did is they probably reduced cost in the parts and made them lighter, as well as removed some of the copper from the uh, from the actual heat sink. Um, it, people have found any way that the aluminum conducts better and dissipates faster than the copper, so it's a smarter plan, while the copper does conduct longer. Um yeah, so probably within the heatsink, but no no word of it as of yet. Uh, no one's done a teardown, so hopefully we'll see teardown information on those soon. Um, continuing on, CD Projekt Red um, to reveal what's next for Cyberpunk uh, 2077 on an upcoming live stream. Uh, this live stream is to occur September 6th, and of course we're going to see what's coming for uh, Night City and potentially uh, new DLC as well as they, they're supposed to talk more about the Witcher that's uh, release that will occur for the series uh, S and X as well as the PS5 uh, later this year. Uh, new DLC I believe is supposed to launch uh, next year in March uh, for Cyberpunk but they'll discuss 
pretty much everything. Probably have a new, uh, what what is it, roadmap for it. Yeah, a new roadmap. Delayed till 2029. Gotta love those roadmaps. God, yeah. And in our last quest marker for the evening, James Bond uh, 007, or Project 007, uh, potentially accidentally may have gotten a release date. So in a earnings report, I believe it was, uh, from IO Interactive, uh, they did show some weird, um, what was it? Uh, basically some markers that could have signified that 007 or Project 007 may be releasing in uh, 2025. So we might actually get to see it. Um, unfortunately, it's been what? How many years since it, uh, 007 game came out? Oh, a long Seems while. Like... I can't even remember how long. Yeah. Big 360 at least. Last good one was on the GameCube, I want to say. Yes, Nightfire. Yeah, Nightfire. But hopefully this would be a precursor to the actual 007 release that uh, was supposed to be a remaster of, you know, the 64 one. Yeah, it would be nice to see that. And of course, what is nice is that we have reached the end of the NPC's weekly news roundup. Of course, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on our podcast as well, anchor.fm slash the-npcs-podcast. This will be available on the, pa- on the podcast itself shortly after we are done here. And, of course, be sure to follow us on our social media here on YouTube as well and everywhere else. With that, thank you so much, everybody. We'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye.